0: Hello everyone. Welcome to Beyond the Adventure, a podcast exploring why people took on their own unique journeys and what they learned from their experiences. My name is Gareth Brown and thanks for listening. Today I have my friend Adam Gray joining me. Three years ago Adam's life changed forever. At just 32 years of age, he was diagnosed with an aggressive form of pancreatic neuroendocrine cancer. As well as a primary tumour in his pancreas, he had additional tumours in his liver, lungs and lymph nodes. At that point, he was given 6-12 to 12 months to live. Since then, he and his family have been on an incredible journey and while the road to full recovery is still a challenging one, there is a lot of optimism in Alan's latest results. Our conversation touches on the importance of self-learning. His holistic approach to health and the understanding of looking for the right balance in our lives. All right, Adam, we're on.
1: Hello, mate. Good to uh, good to be on. Just had a very long work day, so uh, a little tired, but you know, pleasure to be here.
0: Yeah, thanks very much. Uh, More calls with New York, or
1: no more calls with New York, thankfully. If I did have a call in New York. I would not <laughs> right now. But um, yeah, I mean, that was a two hour call on was it Monday evening. And it was yeah, not very fun. But anyway.
0: Yeah. Well, hey, man. It's good, to, good it? to see you, though. Good to see you. And yeah, thanks for joining. It's much appreciated. No worries. Yeah. Where are you now, anyway? Are you in York or are you in London?
1: No, we're in. So we moved from London to Harrogate about, well, it's February this year. So Ah, amazing. Okay. Post-Covid, you know, everyone's moving out of the city. Yeah, yeah. Jumped on that bandwagon, really, and, you know, haven't really looked back. It's been it's been great. I mean, the weather is four or five degrees worse a bit. Uh, <laughs> but apart from that, no, it's all good.
0: Oh, amazing. Oh, I bet it's nice to be close to family and things. And I guess because of everyone, or not everybody, but the dynamic of a lot of people leaving London at the same time, it feels quite different to what it would have felt uh a good few years ago leaving london
1: 100 and i think you know everyone's now working high you know in a hybrid model anyway yeah blank, going to the office every day it's like one or two days so you know you've got pretty much a team's mentality anyway don't you Where, whereby you know you might need to go on in on a certain day but actually the majority of your work is just over team so it's it's good and it, you know, it, you do feel healthier being out of, I feel healthier being out of London, like having the Dales on my doorstep. Like it's, it's just a nice environment to be in, you know. So
0: Yeah, absolutely. And are you still working for a firm in London yeah. or are they more local?
1: Still work for Barclays. Um, yeah. And, you know, they've been really good over the past, past few years. And um, yeah, at the moment, uh, as we'll probably get on to, I don't really have much of an immune system. Um, for numerous reasons, so they—they're not even wanting me into the office at the moment. So I'm working on 100% remotely, which is, which is quite nice. You know, I can't compl- Yeah.
0: Yeah. Oh wow, wow. And uh, and how's the family? How's
1: the little one? Very good. She's um, when is she three? She's three in October, and we were actually expecting our second.
0: Oh, congratulations! Yes. This
1: is amazing. She's due. My wife's due. Next week, I think they're
0: going to. No, next week already.
1: <laughs> the-
0: I, I feel like I should have seen this in your Instagram, but I've kind of.
1: It's, it's so one, big this, big is big one, big this is one of the. This is one of, the
0: <laughs> this is one of yeah. This is one of the only Instagram accounts where like I'm not looking at the Im- images so much. I'm really like focused in on like the text. Yeah. Just like straight into the text, yeah, yeah. and I'm like, what's the, what's the update here? Like yeah. last week was a was a really good one. <laughs> yeah. uh, maybe we we can go on to that um, in a minute, but it seems like that was a. That was a really good one. Oh, but that's amazing. Yeah, I probably, yeah, have,
1: probably have glossed over the fact that that's a really big thing in my life. That we, um, yeah, I think she'll be induced next week, and complete surprise because you know I've had so much, and again we'll get onto this. So yeah. it's been over the past few years that we just completely we thought I was infertile. So
0: yeah, you, I can imagine. And,
1: you know, it was just yeah, it came completely out of the blue. But having a boy. So we'll have one of each, and then them
0: wow. um, You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: Out-numbered. So yeah, it's quite nice. Um, can't complain.
0: Oh mate, that's that's a wonderful news. Wonderful news. Um, so just for people listening, this is probably going to take a slightly different turn mm. to um, a lot of the conversations that I've ever had in the past. But I think that a lot of the uh, the discussion points will actually be quite reflective of. Um, some of the other people I've talked to in terms of their own kind of unique journeys and adventures, I've, I've called it sometimes, but often it's basically just uh, a few different life points um, and then how they've been impacted, what's motivated them to do certain things, what's the dynamic between them and their friends and family. Um, so, yeah. So how, how do we feel about going back kind of three years? Uh, do you want to give us a, give a bit of context for, uh, for, for kind of those out
1: there. Um Yeah, so pretty much three years to well it was july the anniversary three year anniversary this year um i was basically diagnosed with pancreatic neuroendocrine cancer quite an aggressive form so i think it was grade three the graded one two three three being the most aggressive and i had a primary tumor in my pancreas which Probably, you know, for most people out there, that's never good news. Um, I had innumerable tumours in my liver, the largest being fifteen centimetres by five centimetres, so pretty much a grapefruit. Um, wow! I had tumours in my lungs and tumours in my lymph nodes as well. Um, and I was given once, you know, once I'd had the bad news and things, I was given six to twelve months to live. Um, which was obviously tough to hear and I'm sure we'll get on to that. But, um, yeah, yeah that was, just, that was the start of a, a journey really. And I, at that point I wasn't, I was living in London. I wasn't registered with a GP. I was playing, you know, yeah. playing football every week. I was playing tennis. Um, I cycled to work every day, 10 miles and back. Um, I considered myself an extremely fit individual, uh,
0: you were very fitting. <laughs> Absolutely, I, mean, I like to yeah. think
1: so. Um, you know, like to tipple on a weekend. Who doesn't? But apart from that, <laughs> I lived a pretty healthy lifestyle. And yeah, it came out of the, completely out of the blue. Um,
0: yeah, I remember, like when I was—I think the first thing I heard—I think it would, would have been from Joel, um, our mutual friend. I think it was a few days after, and. I'm not sure if I remember this correctly, but it was um, you were playing football, I think, on like the Monday no. night, like seven aside league or something, and you just felt um, uh, more lethargic, perhaps. I don't know. Like, is this is this some no, truth in this? Like, we, where this where I, this comes um, from?
1: It was a bit more than than lethargic, but it was. So I played seven aside. I was at about you know the halfway point. I subbed myself off. I was just like, yeah, you know. I said to the to the boys, I was like. I'm getting too old for this. You know, they, those are my exact <laughs> words. I was like, I'm, I'm just, I'm, no matter how much exercise I'm doing, my fitness is is falling. And I just didn't understand it anyway. After this football, I then biked home probably more than 10 miles and got home and had kind of mild feverish symptoms and just thought, I'm, that's why I've, I've not been playing very well or that's why I'm tired because... Now, maybe I've been working too hard, doing too much I'm just yeah, tired. Yeah. Um, and yeah, kind of a week later, I was I was diagnosed with with this. Um, they were the only real warning signs I had. And a bit of referred shoulder pain, but nothing to write home about. I just thought I'd pulled something in my shoulder.
0: Yeah. And that, so how old would you 32. have been at the time? 32, 30,
1: yeah. 32, yeah. Um, yeah, my wow. wife... Uh, Chrissy was seven months or six months pregnant at that point so when I got the the news that I had six to twelve months to live she was obviously in the room with me um
0: was it just the two of you at the time in the room the
1: oncologist and I remember his exact words were I I said you know how long how long have I got and he turned around and said I'm really sorry but this is what killed steve jobs and aretha franklin so he's like you know what what chance do you have really and and you know in hindsight i want to go back and stick two things up at the bloke and be like you can tell anyone yeah um he's just not helpful giving a prognosis like that to anyone no matter what their state of mind you know i'm, I'm still here and i hope you're here for the foreseeable so yeah, it's, I, in a way, it's kind of negligent, I think, but you know that's how I was told, and, and that that was the start of the journey, really.
0: That's a really—I wonder that where that comes from. I mean, I, we can't book it um, anyone, uh, any individual into a profession overall, but that dynamic or of of them being able to share news in that way is very strange. Like, but I guess they have to for their personal lives, at least some people detach themselves from the emotions yeah. of the workplace versus personal. But wow. I mean, that's pretty rough to deliver news in that way. It's not, I yeah. don't think
1: it's particularly helpful. Even. It's difficult yeah, to explain. I think, yeah, you know, they can give you, they can tell you what it is. They can tell you it's not good. They can tell you, you can fight it, but I don't think giving timeframes like that is particularly helpful. and um I've read a lot of books actually since. I mean, that's what I've basically been doing for the past three years. That and a lot of other therapies and kind of physical activity that I think helped. But um, a lot of the reading focuses around the mental approach to things and often things like placebo effect, reverse placebo effect. Like there's a a doctor called Dr. Constanza and he, he, he gives this anecdote about a guy in the states right and guy goes to the to the doctor and the doctor and says I'm not feeling very well send him off for scans and his scans show that he's riddled with tumors and they basically say look you've got 3 months to live and he goes away and he's kind of at peace with that he's he, he thinks he's got 3 months to live so he goes off and does all these bits and bobs that he's wanting to do and on the day that they Told him who's going to die. He dies, right? His body just kind of shuts down wow. on that day. Put into a hospital yeah. and dies. And they do the autopsy on him for whatever reason. I'm not sure why you do an autopsy, but they did. And the scans were completely wrong. Like he didn't have cancer. He was he was fit and healthy. No. But it was the power of the mind that basically said, "Look, you've got cancer. This is it for you." um that it's that powerful yeah. too if you can flip that on its head and say i'm not dying of this i am going to live i'm not saying that that's a cure for anything but what i am saying is it's so powerful and you know your health and other things and can be used in other parts of life like for sure yeah i mean it-
0: we, we really, especially from a, psych- a psychology standpoint and understanding our brain and how everything is connected, we're really untapped right now in terms of like yeah. what, how actually everything is working. Like it's not even that long ago, I guess. I mean, I'm not an expert in this field at all, but at the neurons and how the connection with the gut and like uh, what's yeah. in control and, uh, what, how it's all really interconnected, um, is fascinating, but that, I mean, essentially the, the when people just say the positive yeah. phrase "keep positive," it's it's a, like it it feels a very like uh, easy thing to say, but there's no real. It doesn't really feel like there's a lot of real it substance is, in it. But it there is, is a real. Really there is real substance is. in that.
1: Um, like you, like you said, I think seventy percent of your immune system. Now you know they're proven that that comes through the gut and you have that connection with the brain. Yeah. So, so you know we're all in. Everything's in, interconnected. You can't detach the brain from the rest of the body and and vice versa. And yeah, as I said, I just don't think anyone giving that type of advice, well, I just don't think they should be allowed to do it. I think it should be very much uh, this is what you've got. This is how I want to deal with it and go out and do your best. Like that, that should be the case across the board. I'm not just talking medically, it should, anyway, um, yeah.
0: No, no, it makes sense. I mean, over the last three years, and you've already touched on it. I mean, you've you've been absolutely educating yourself far more more on these topics. You've been will uh, be interested oh. to talk about some of the different therapies you've taken, some of the more experimental ones. But to get us started, I guess for me, it's it's really interesting to understand how quickly you you almost managed to frame your mind into this positive mindset. At least, maybe it wasn't always so public, but the messages i saw and uh and there was definitely like you were very raw and real with the challenges and um and and what treatment you're going to do and but there was always a sense of hey i'm going to do this next like yeah. i'm going to organize this race like to raise money i'm going to um i'm looking like i'm going forward for the scan yeah. it's going to be scary but if i get past this next hurdle like how how quickly did you manage to Uh, develop that mindset after such shocking news I
1: think you know so they put you on chemo I was put on chemo within two weeks of finding out yeah quite luckily really Um, I've been told that if I left it any longer I'd probably be dead but I think you're going through the, the journey of it's a bit of discovery really because there's no denying that chemo is a very negative experience and can be quite negative to the way you're thinking. Right. But the way you have to, in a way reframe it is to look at it and be like, it's making me feel like shit, but the outcome is going to be positive. So your outlook further down the line is always you're always looking to that next step and that next step is going to be a positive step. So in the here and now, you feel shit. You've been, you're thrown up. You're, you know, you're not getting to the toilet in time. You know, it's awful. Yeah. And there are very dark moments, but as long as I feel the overall picture is a positive one, then that is going to outweigh any negative thoughts you have. You've just got to have, you know, that overall positive kind of mental attitude and i think it also helps having i mean i've got got a hell of a lot to live for I've, i've worked as a lawyer crazy crazy hours over the past 10 years um but i think this gives me a different lens on work now as well so whereas i would previously have worked absolutely every hour that god gave me um because I wanted to kind of get at that slippery pole. Exactly. Now it's very much, uh, I'll do the work that you give to me, but I'm not going to go above and beyond that because, frankly, it gives you a completely different lens and kind of shows you what's important. And I know that's really, it's kind of cheesy to say, but it's, it's you know, work is just work. Like that that saying, "Go into your grave and you know what what you wish you'd have done more." you, you don't no one ever says work and if you do say work then i think you have a certain mindset or anyway so that's fine but certainly for me you know there are far more enjoyable things out there I mean, nature sport exercise family life all of those things are like are key um, and, and key to maintaining yeah. positive mental attitude as well.
0: and, and I, th- I find what what is interesting uh there's lots of there's lots of different aspects of this, but you're very, you always were a very driven individual in control, kind of had a good plan, mm. like, uh, uh, managed to buy a house in London. For example, um, you, you found your partner pretty early, yeah. um, like, um, th- there was, a, there was a, a good amount of control I would say in your personality trait, but how did you manage, how did you find the dynamic of yes, controlling your own outlook? but the people around you that's technically not in your control like the way that they might react parents cousins yeah partner friends um that's a very difficult situation and i've seen that with like sometimes my own family when there's something which is difficult for one in particular individual sometimes they almost seem a little bit more at peace with it than Others around them, yeah. <laughs> and, and and yet it's almost put onto the individual, the other people's emotions. It, do, do you know yeah, what I mean? It's, 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 it, how did you how did you find that? And um, yeah. I
1: think that's that's changed, you know, one hundred percent since I was diagnosed. You know, before before I was diagnosed, I think I just suck that up and just probably absorb it as emotion and probably not healthy emotions. You know.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: And, That is probably through lack of time to think about it because you're such a busy individual. And secondly, it's just, I think it's a lack of understanding of what it does to your own mental health, right? Whereas post diagnosis, if I, you know, if someone is being negative or, I mean, negative is maybe the wrong word, but if I'm not getting good vibes from someone now that I don't think are going to benefit me, then I just won't, you know, I won't involve you in my life. That's how, that's how I look at it now. It's like, I don't have the time of day for people that aren't going to add something to my life and aren't going to enrich my life because I don't want, I don't know how much time I've got. I'd like to think, and I'm, you know, the positive part of me says I've got 10, 20, 30 years, you know, who knows the, the, the horizon could be way in the distance, but, um, yeah, I just don't anymore. I don't let that impact on my, on my mental health because it's not worth it, you know? And I suppose other people will have coping mechanisms for it, but my coping mechanism is just expending energy on the people that you want to expend energy on. Them.
0: Yeah. You must've had some incredibly just enriching experiences over the last I mean challenges experiences all over the shop here I mean full spectrum but some really enriching experiences with uh, your family uh based on what's happened and just you having that clarity of valuing and knowing exactly who you're valuing in your life and that experience with your child Absolutely. and your partner and I think yeah. the other
1: thing that it teaches you to do is you know whereas before say your dad your mom uncle, yeah, whoever says something that you fundamentally disagree with or, or something that affects you mentally, right? You probably wouldn't say anything because you're like, it's just not worth it. Like, I'm just going to walk away from this conversation.
0: Exactly. Now, oh, yeah, yeah.
1: I never do that. I'm always uh, call out and, you know, try and explain why that isn't helpful. Because you know you want these people in your life but you only want them in your life if they're a positive influence and i think i don't have time anymore for for people doing the same things that aren't particularly helpful so you yeah. know it's it's helped me to to reframe a lot of things and relationships is probably one of them and it's you know i i'd say in that sense it's only been positive you know it's- which is a weird thing to say because we wouldn't think many things about cancer positive but i can i want to come out the other end of this and look at cancer as a positive experience that could have killed me but actually it's completely reframed my life and only in a positive manner you know
0: Yeah. yeah and and do you think that especially with the relationships and how you've um how they've become more rich in many ways and, and actually, and more honest, mm. uh, which is really, really amazing. It, is that kind of just being a constant development um, from you just reflecting a lot, thinking a lot, or has it also come from uh, from maybe support from therapy or other sources? How has that kind of journey a, come been, about yeah, for
1: you? It didn't happen on day day dot, you know, the first yeah. Few months, it's a real learning curve. You know, you've got people coming up to you saying, friends saying, oh, "I'm really sorry to hear that, mate. My uncle died of cancer." And you're like, "How the f- is that helpful for me?" You know, <laughs>
0: and,
1: but you don't yeah. call them out to start with. You just take it home with you, and you think you maybe complain to your wife and say, "I can't believe X said this to me." But then it happens more and more and more, and you realise actually people just don't know how to deal in these situations. So what you do yeah. is the people that continually do it, even after being told, you just don't deal with anymore. And the people that, you know, change after you tell them, eventually, then you keep in your life. But it's been a, it has been a journey. and It's been a journey that's involved counselling. You know, I've I'm not done this on my own by any stretch. It's, I, I 100% advocate for anyone going through, something like this, or just going through any issues, really, you know, it can be big or small, just the the ability to speak to someone and reframe their thoughts and come out with a different, potentially different perspective on stuff. Like it's just overly helpful. So I'm not currently doing counselling because I feel I'm in quite a positive place, but there have been points through the journey where I'm like, I need to speak to someone. So, you know, it's, it's, yeah, Lots of different things, but I think, like I said, it's been a journey and um, one that has developed and has developed with therapies and you become more positive and more aware as as that progresses. And I hope that I suppose it's the same as anyone's life journey, but mine over the past three years has just been accelerated hugely by yeah. something that's happened to me. really
0: yeah that makes sense and going back to more towards the beginning i think you you touched on um a plan so like having a plan that really aids especially a yeah. positive outlook how, how how did you start to devise this plan because it's not um my understanding it's not like you've just got someone holding your hand saying okay now we've got chemo next we've got X next we got Y you, you have to make some conscious decisions yourself, I guess, and also be prepared to put yourself out there in terms of, Hey, like what other experimental, um, um, uh, kind of options do I have in regards to surgery or whatever else it might be? How, How, how quickly did you start to develop your own plan? And, um, and how did you almost like go about that?
1: I think within, within a few months, really, and um, I think it came about through just like anyone, the, the the need and the want for, for control. Yeah. So when you get yeah. diagnosed, you, well, a lot of people just give themselves to the doctors, right?
0: So, yeah, exactly. Yeah. This, 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 honestly, like this would be, I would like to think that I try and like take myself out of that for a second and I can't really put myself, but I definitely can't put myself in, uh, in your shoes. That's for sure. Uh, but yeah, that was, there is this element of okay, that's that's the doctor. I just trust what they're yeah, going to say
1: exactly. And I think you know, the older generation definitely do it. I mean, my my grandparents had cancer and other things, and they're very accepting of whatever they're told. You know, it's you need chemo now. All right, I'll do that. And they're told this will work. So okay, so I'll do that. Whereas I I think the thing that opened my eyes actually was. Um, one of my first oncologists I said to him, What shall I be eating? Right? My mom chemo. Like, I know myself playing sport and and, and being healthy in a, in a previous life that you know nutrition is key, right? And his resp- his response to me was, Just eat chocolate and ice cream. He's like, as long as you keep weight on, he's like, I don't care. And you know know, this guy practiced for the past 40 years and he was a specialist in his field and i was just like i'm 32 and i've you know just been diagnosed i know for a fact that's wrong so
0: yeah
1: Yeah. what else you telling me that is wrong right and then you just you literally scratch the surface and it all
0: just comes flying at you um there must have been a few moments like that i mean this one really stands yeah. out obviously but then especially in them first six months especially with people who've been in the field whatever for four yeah, yeah, years yeah. very uh, things change oh, as well sweet. and and just the the other dynamic of of yeah like mental health nutrition it's it's, it's all one thing it's right all, it's all one system it's all so.
1: and i mean the, there have been so many times like that where it got to the point with one oncologist, so I was bringing him research papers and he was saying, thank you, I didn't know about that. You know, and yeah, so it's you can't rely, and and actually, if I hadn't have read one of these papers, the second, um, so I was on one type of chemo for six months and then he was going to put me on a different type of chemo, um, like a single, like single, what would the word be? not strand, but just a single type of chemo, I suppose. And I basically did a bit of reading. was like, actually, this works better when you combine it with this chemo. And he read it. He was like, actually, that's a very, very good point. So if I hadn't have brought that paper to him, and my second round of chemo was the most successful treatment I've had. It shrunk my tumors by 65%. So if I hadn't wow. have taken that to him, who knows what my reaction to that would have been, you know? Um,
0: That's fascinating. (laughs) Yeah. And, and, uh, so have you, was that, that's obviously like one pivot away from what was almost recommended. Were there any other points where you have kind of strayed away, let's say from the, First offer on the table, let's say, or the next recommended step I I mean, there, in terms there, of your. There are plenty treatment. of
1: things I've taken to my oncologist and said I'm doing this, and they've said, "Yeah, that's fine, but it won't do anything." And I don't want going back to our previous conversation about prognosis. I don't think saying to anyone that won't do anything is particularly helpful. But uh, they yeah. are, the medical profession, are very blinkered, I think is probably the best way to put it, because they're given a set criteria or set protocol to treat you, right? So it's chemo, radiotherapy, cut you open, maybe immunotherapy, and those are that's their bag of tricks. And if you deviate from yeah. the norm, they don't have... A double-blind study that says X could work. So if you say tell them about it, they'll say probably won't work. They don't know that. Yeah. And actually, if you do digging on there's a there's a site called PubMed which basically contains all the medical research documents out there. And I used to spend a hell of a lot of time on that. And if you go onto there and you type in your type of cancer, there will be hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of research papers all about alternative therapies that have shown promise, but have just not been taken forward. So if you, you know, if you have any announce, you go on there, you find out what looks to have been working and you add it to your, your uh, regime. And the doctor might tell yeah. you that probably won't work. But my view is that when you're diagnosed with something like this, especially cancer, you just try and create the most hostile environment you possibly can for the cancer and then you can do your normal you can do your standard therapies, you can do your chemo your radiotherapy and whatever else on top of that and the fact that you are making or creating that hostile environment is only going to help the chemo or whatever else it is do its job and yeah. that's been my approach yeah. to, to cancer and how i've done things and you know i mean one example would be i do i go to the yeah, hyperbaric oxygen chamber once a week.
0: Yeah, I think Joel told me this actually. Yeah,
1: incredible. and uh, You know, loads of sports people do. So I'm in there for an hour and a half. I used to do it two times a week.
0: Oh my gosh, it's a lot longer than I actually thought. Yeah. I thought people were going in there for a few now, minutes.
1: No, 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 you're going for about an hour and a half and it saturates you um, to a very high high level um, of oxygen. Um, I can't remember the specific atmosphere that you, you go down to. But, um, yeah, you it's, it's incredible. They're, so they they recommend it for people who've gone through surgery because it, you know, fact, it heals you quicker. So that's why this pro- professional sports people do. I don't know if you've seen the documentary on, I think it's on, it's either Prime or Netflix, uh, about Marley Fish, the tennis player.
0: Oh yeah, I have seen that one, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. The
1: resurgence of his career, and in, in his like 30s, he's like, right, I'm going to start sleeping in this thing, and um,
0: yeah, and, and you see it a like, lot with like, especially like cyclists and some other endurance yeah, athletes yeah. and things, they're literally just like, yeah, I'm out here now for a while. <laughs> and
1: you, they just go, and the, the benefits you see from it, it's just incredible, I I once cut my finger, and I cut it quite deep, um, I think it was cooking or something, and I i had the hyperbaric oxygen chain the following day and i came out and the day after i took the plaster off nothing wow. i turned to my wife I was like that is crazy because she was like you might have to get that looked at being a nurse yeah yeah completely sorted out so you know there are numerous reasons why I do it you know going through chemo hyperbaric oxygen is amazing because the damage you're doing to your body it it really helps your normal cells, but doesn't really help your, your cancer cells because they operate in a different, in a different environment. They, they, offer, they operate in a, it's like a hypoxic environment. So when your normal cells turn into cancer cells, they start metabolizing in a completely different way. And it's like it was discovered in the 1930s that they the, their primary fuel source is glucose, and it's a thing called the Warburg effect. We've known that for a hundred years we still don't treat it as a metabolic disease. And we still don't teach people about diet and about how they should be limiting their blood sugar spikes, et cetera, et cetera. And people will tell me it's crackery. The papers are there, but, you know, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's crazy, but yeah. So hyperbaric oxygen, that I would massive advocate for that. I-
0: and are you doing this in 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 Leeds? Where you yeah, I go that?
1: to. Um, yeah. So I used to do it. I used to pay a quite a bit of money for it, actually, in London. Obviously, um, you know, yeah, classic. Expensive. But then I found in London um, an MS centre um, in okay. in yeah. Walthamstow, Um they did it. So for an hour, it was fifteen pounds, and I basically transferred my membership with that MS centre. Um, to 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 the Leeds West Yorkshire.
0: Ah, um, uh, okay, yeah, Makes yeah, sense.
1: no, it's it's great. Um, I saw actually the other day that Emma Emiratikaru tweeted, or or her Instagram was her in a in a chamber, and the location was North London. I know for a fact that that chamber she was in was the one I used to go to.
0: That must be yeah, catching wow. on
1: anyway.
0: Yeah, wow, and. The, the, Do you think, I mean, just going back, I want to talk a little bit more about some of mm. the other alternative kind of therapies that you've looked at and also gone through. But do you, do you think structurally um, there's a challenge here within, because the NHS uh, is publicly funded and, and obviously you can't necessarily probably as a doctor look to say to one patient, hey, like, what about all these things? if you can't give it to everybody you know and um i wonder if that dynamic that structure is a is a, is a challenge uh
1: you see i would agree with you to some extent the, the where that falls down is it's no different so i'm very lucky i work for barclays yeah and i have private healthcare right so
0: Okay. Yeah. Fair. I
1: started off in the NHS, and I and I sometimes go back for certain elements of treatment. The the large majority of my treatment is private. Okay. Yeah. Very grateful for and and actually over the past three years, had I been with the NHS during COVID, would I have had the same treatment and the same results? Probably not. Right. Yeah. Um, That's no fault of the NHS. Is that's just the situation they found.
0: Yeah. Exactly. I mean, it's a very difficult time.
1: Yeah. Um, but going back to the question I think it's not necessarily the NHS I think it's a medical profession and I think there's I mean there's a, another issue is there's it's, it's illegal guys to to say that unless you have a double blind study that says something cures cancer you can't Advertise stuff as being beneficial, or it's why you never see. Like,
0: yeah, that makes
1: a, sense. supplement is helpful for for cancer because it's illegal to do so, and the, that legislation's been out there for years. Till they change that backwards of looking at things, then you know, we're <laughs> God help us, basically. Um, and I'm sure eventually it will do, but you, that's why you have to take control yourself because no one's going to tell you, um, unfortunately.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. And um, so, in terms of like other alternative therapies, what was kind of one of the? I mean, you you touched on the first one that you did, and you kind of supplemented chemo with uh, with another therapy yourself. W- what else did you kind of take on over the over the years, and what things have kind of stuck with you?
1: I mean, there have been been so many. I mean, I take twenty odd capsules before before I eat. You know. Um, So out of the research that I've done and, you know, in combination with there are people out there like this woman called Jane McClellan, who's done a lot of research into it. And there are numerous other people about kind of blocking cancer's metabolic pathways. So like I was alluding to earlier, cancer metabolizes fuel in a different way. And it's primary fuel source is cancer. So if you can try and block, Those fuel those those pathways with supplements, which I've done a huge amount of research on. You know, if you can do that, then hopefully you slow cancer's growth, and you put it in the you know not particularly uh, hospital hospitable environment. And that's kind of one of the things I've done. So research to the nth degree what supplements will benefit me. You know big ones turmeric or curcumin derivative. yeah
0: turmeric i used to actually randomly take a little bit when i was uh in thailand doing some muay thai training because <laughs> yeah it was, yeah, <laughs> I, yeah, it was yeah. pretty helpful with recovery and things but uh yeah i mean out there I was just taking a few different things to see uh yeah how i could recover quicker but uh, i mean that's it's a completely different ball game to what we're talking about here but yeah that was one of them
1: but these things are really catching on i mean so i mean i won't name all the supplements i'm taking but by way of example, like I take all these supplements to try and block cancer's metabolic pathways, right? And any doctor will turn around to me and say, you're mad, you're wasting X amount of money each month. But at the same time, there's a clinic on Harley Street called Care Oncology Clinic. And they, well, it's not a trial, or it kind of is a trial, but it's not a trial in the normal sense of the word. They are looking at cancer across the board and looking at how targeting cancer's metabolic pathways and other pathways they can slow the growth so they provide as part of the trial metformin which is a diabetic drug to stop you having blood sugar spikes why else would they provide that if you know that wasn't going to do any benefit yeah um they provide doxycycline which is I mean, it's designed so it's an antibiotic. It's designed to tackle cancer stem cells and the mitochondria within the um, within the cancer cells because the mitochondria change and they look more like bacteria and less like normal cells. So they provide a statin, which I take on an evening, which again is designed to reduce the. The fats in your, in your blood and, and hopefully starve off the cancer a little bit in that way. And then they provide, which is the weirdest thing, is to provide a, a wormer. Which, a wormer? Yeah. So like a human okay. dewormer. And, uh, wow. Okay. Yeah,
0: I've, never, I've never heard of this before.
1: It's called, <laughs> called mebendazole, And it's designed, that's designed to stop the cancer cells signaling to each other. Um, Mm,
0: okay interesting yeah
1: yeah. and that came I mean I I originally before I heard of care oncology clinic I heard of a lot of people having success with a dog wormer called febendazole so I started taking that and that was disgusting (laughs) Um, Chrissy's got a picture of me sprinkling it on a cracker with some peanut butter oh my gosh and that was probably like six months after I was diagnosed but then I heard of mebendazole and this clinic that were trialing it so I'm now Kind of with them. Um, so that, yeah, there are lots of different things um, you can try. You just need to do a lot of reading. There's, you know, another one is low dose naltrexone, which is, I think they use that to, for heroin addicts actually um, in higher doses, but low doses, it's anti inflammatory. And anything anti inflammatory is really good for cancer because your cancer creates a very inflammatory environment. And none of, you know, it's really difficult for your immune cells to get to it. Yeah. So if you reduce that inflammation, you're, you know, you're just doing a lot of good for your body, but you're also re- reducing that kind of restrictive barrier around the cancer. So you're allowing things to get in. And, um, so I, I yeah, I mean, I could talk, for, <laughs> I could talk for hours, but I do, um, I do a heck of a lot.
0: Yeah. That's quite a few capsules every day. Yeah. Uh, and. And in addition to kind of supplements, what are the treatment have you been doing in the last kind of couple of years in particular?
1: I mean, I've done, well, pretty much, I've had pretty much every treatment they can throw at me apart from therapy (laughs) because my cancer, they deemed to be a cold cancer, which basically means I think it only had six mutations and that's very, very low for a cancer. So, you know, the more mutations you have, the more likely an immunotherapy will work because your body's more likely to recognize that the cancer is a foreign body. If you've only got,
0: I'm with you. If you've only got a few, a, a few it's very difficult for it, it to looks, find. It looks yeah. like
1: a normal cell. So it's, it's more difficult. So I haven't had immunotherapy, but I've had two different types of, well, four different types of chemo over a year. I've had an injection every month in my rear end, which is more like a harpoon.
0: I hope it's not like first of the month. No, 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 no. Yeah, oh, And the, month, w- like, yeah. the
1: worst thing right now, guys, is in um, London, the community, the nurse used to go out and do it, up here, you can't really get that. So <laughs> my, my mother-in-law comes around because he's a nurse, yeah, so, oh, yeah, so wow. once a month I have the joys of them. Um, injection, <laughs> so, an and then what else did you know what else have i had then went on to because i saw a good reduction i then had a distal pancreatectomy so i had half of my pancreas out yeah half of my liver out um which is the weirdest thing because you can
0: wow. liver
1: grows right and you can you can actually feel your liver kind of grow
0: back which is that is a crazy I, I can't i really i can't imagine this i, I can't yeah it's really difficult mentally to get into that yeah um, completely state to imagine that how, how the recoveries for both of those were they a similar time period or did you do, do them quite were, they were
1: no so that was one surgery and wow it took me a few weeks i'd say to learn to to walk properly again because they cut they cut me from side to side so you know my, I don't have abs anymore guys they're uh, you know, you, they've,
0: they've abs gone, abs. gone for now
1: um, <laughs> but you core, cool. you don't realise how important it is you know I remember on day four maybe um, at the hospital and I was in intensive care and they you know two nurses were like right we're going to try and get you on your feet now just you know just carrying you basically to see what you yeah. do and it's just when you've got no core, you, you can't stand up. You know, you it's a weirdest sensation from just walking around normally to all of a sudden your body just kind of crumpling in half because, you know, you he's he's cut through the middle of you and just zone you up basically. Um but yeah the recovery for that. I I've only just probably so it was when was I operated on? Last May and the doctor told me I'd be able to play golf within six months and it didn't feel right even after six months so I kind of held off doing that but I'm now back playing tennis tennis three times a week my goal is to get back in so I'm a member of uh, David Lloyd up here and I want to to kind of break into their first team so that's my Yeah, that's my kind of, you know, I've got, this is, this is a thing before I would have had these goals because I was, I was, my my goal was, or focus was work. And now I'm like, I can be back, I can go back to my teens and I can be, you know, my goal can now be, I want to do X, Y, and Z and improve and I'm like, my serve's improving and that's all your core and it's, it's really nice to see and it's also escapism, playing Playing competitive sport is—I think you've alluded to it before on from my previous yeah. podcasts—but it's just that that one time for me where nothing else in the world matters. It's just our focus, <laughs>
0: And it's and it's particularly interesting with a sport like tennis, uh, because it is so back and forth, and you, your mind has to be so concentrated effectively on the ball right now. Like it would be interesting to know the difference how you feel between when you're playing tennis versus golf. Golf is um, obviously when you're you're walking around a lot and you're concentrating yeah. on your shots, but I guess there's a different feeling there in terms of in terms of escapism versus. But, of I, well,
1: I much prefer tennis to, to golf. Anyway, golf's more of a. Um it's quite solitary, isn't it and tennis you don't have time to think really whereas golf yeah I mean it's the most most frustrating sport in the world as well
0: I'm awful at golf it's <laughs> so ridiculous it's... <laughs> I haven't played in a few yeah, years now I mean, but
1: uh, it's... it's not for everyone but I mean it's it's nice because it's you get out in nature and you hit a few balls you know it's and there are some really nice courses out there but you know I'm not I, I just enjoy that. I play that for the enjoyment. I don't play it because I'm necessarily competing whereas tennis just gives me that extra, you know, extra something and I've, you know, in a, when I was a teen I was kind of, fringed to the county squad and then went to uni, played, you know, for New, Newcastle's team and I had, I had yeah. keel surgery when I was 21, I think, which kind of ended that. But just getting back into it and seeing how far I can go now is you know it's, it's just fantastic
0: it's it's a great like way to look at things in terms of like um, just resurfacing like these passions yeah. and interests at this point is really interesting like because right now there, there could have been a different reality where like you're still working late and even does it even come down to like the books you're reading or the uh, like I, d- I never thought you would have been the, the guy to move back to Yorkshire, first of all, yeah. like that young. <laughs> so, okay, He's going to be in London for a long time. Uh, what What is your mix like right now in terms of, so you're playing tennis yeah. three times a week. Uh, what are the other things that you're kind of making sure you're full time for? And and um, yeah, which are those? Like I guess you're getting out yeah. on the deals a little bit when you can't. Walking the dog.
1: you know, spending a lot of time with my daughter, my wife, although, you know, the walks with my wife are getting shorter and shorter. Um, actually,
0: yeah, and I yeah. But yeah, um, <laughs> no,
1: I mean, largely focusing on my health and that is getting out and about in nature where, you know, we're, we're members of, um, goodness, I'm showing sure my age now that we, the RHS Harlow Car, which is the Royal Horticultural Society is like, it's, it's their equivalent of Kew Gardens up North and that's in Harrogate. And that's just, just immerse yourself in the woods and in nature. And, you know, that's just, I think there's an actual, there's a Japanese term for bathing in the woods, isn't there? And I think they've proven that that increases your immunity and your white blood cells. So, you know, a lot of that, um, it's just, like I said, it's all health. And I probably, although I play tennis three times a week, every time I come back home after tennis, I have bought, um, an infrared sauna, um,
0: Oh, well, I've been reading about this recently. Yeah, the infrared be really you know, I've, yeah
1: I, Every time I come back, I do my infrared sauna, and the next day I wake up and I'm I'm not stiff. You know, I'm I feel fantastic. And um, like you alluded to earlier, I've started doing cold showers. And you know, they've done they've studies on cold yeah. showers. And this is something that again the doctors don't tell you. They've done studies on cold showers that. If you do, if you have cold showers in the morning, when you're on chemo, your white blood cells are way more likely to stay within range and you're way less likely to drop out of range, meaning you can't continue with the chemo. So why your doctors don't tell you that, I have absolutely no idea. But, you know, anyone out there listening, cold showers, are on chemo, do it. Yeah. And it also gives you kind of clarity of thought in the morning and, also, it's good for your breathing. You know, there are so many benefits, aren't there? You know, I do that every morning now. So, right? um, yeah,
0: yeah, and, and and I guess you've got to a point now where the balance is uh, is quite good in terms of the researching side of things and the thinking of what's my plan here for the next couple of months. What am I going to focus on? Uh, what which paper yeah. should I prioritize reading? What's the latest research? Did you, at one point, did you get like kind of, I wouldn't say down a rabbit hole, but it's quite all encompassing, as you said, because a lot of these medical research papers are very long and there's, and you can also just get trapped on your phone, like the way the algorithms are built on social or on, uh, even just Google now, you will be surfaced yeah. a lot of stuff. <laughs> did you ever get, ever go through phases, especially when you couldn't be as, um, active, let's say, where you're yeah, just think, really in there? I mean,
1: I would say no, but I think my wife would disagree. Um, yeah. I think there were times <laughs> when it just became came like all encompassing where you know Chrissy just be like why are you on your phone again I'd be like, I'm just reading the paper just x y z and it was it was pretty constant whereas now I think I've got so many other distractions you know focusing on my health in it, in different ways that that has become more of a sideshow to the overall picture I think which is quite helpful um
0: yeah, you know, good. I think
1: yeah. you, you need that. I think you need to front end it as well because the quicker you can implement all this stuff, the more likely you are to, to have good results and good outcomes. So, really front load any research you're going to do, and then hopefully the back end is just going to be good news. Um, but I mean, I don't, I don't stop necessarily. I just I just do less. So at the moment.
0: Yeah, but you've also, also banked up a lot of great key learnings as well, and adopted them into your yeah. um, into your lifestyle now. Like the moment you start having your core showers you've got your infrared sauna, you're doing your exercise when you can. Now, once it becomes part of your like um, routine, then yeah, you, you can focus on exactly. specific bits. And I the, guess the one thing I'm trying
1: started. to, I've got to focus at the moment medically is that. I'm trying to push through with my medical provider. I I want a liquid biopsy and it's quite a new thing. And they can look at certain elements of this liquid biopsy and tell you what your cancer will and won't respond to. So at the moment, I'm taking quite a spray and pray approach when it comes to my supplements. Right? The papers say that it should work, but I don't know specifically... You know, looking at the genomes within my cancer and all the rest of it, what is going to work? Because they haven't done those tests. So I'm currently trying to push through and, you know, convince my oncologist to kind of agree to it, to have this biopsy so that I can then kind of hone down the, the supplements that I should be taking, cut out excess supplements that I don't need to be taking. So that's my next goal is try and really streamline what I'm doing one because it's silly expensive <laughs> spending I don't know how much twenty yeah, pounds cost yeah. me each meal but probably more than the meal itself um, so that's one of the yeah. reasons but you know I don't think it's ever going to stop I think I'll always be looking for that next thing it's just I won't be quite as immersed as what I have been in the past
0: yeah. And and how how was the, um, slightly off topic, but like, because we touched on it before about social media research, digital, did you, how was your relationship with that over the years in terms of, because of how you've you've had a really strong connection with your family and some close friends over the last few years, Um, but this whole like social media dynamic where you're seeing everyone being just celebrating, do whatever else they want to do, or, How was your relationship with that over the last few years? Was it a difficult one, if that makes sense? You know, it's
1: a big thing, guys. And I think I know what you're getting at. Uh, And for me, one of the most helpful things over the past few years, and I don't want to say this in a blase way, because it's been super negative for loads of people, and loads of people have lost people because of it. But COVID, for me, was a godsend. because, Because when I was going through all this shit, and having to stay indoors because my immune system's through the floor, everyone else was having to do exactly the same thing. So yeah. I, I wasn't getting FOMO, you know, there was no, oh, I wish I was out having a drink in a pub. Uh, I wish I was playing sport. I wish I was socializing, you know, all those things I couldn't do because I wasn't well, nobody else could do either.
0: Yeah, so, you were like us, so just doing silly quizzes. Yeah, oh, <laughs> <thank> <laughs> God. Uh, you <Lody> right? <laughs> Exactly. Oh, that was how so much quiz material <laughs> um,
1: but yeah, I mean COVID for me was a bit of a blessing. Um but yeah, I don't want to belittle it a bit. It was um yeah, really positive for me.
0: Yeah, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. And um so almost fast forwarding until to, to last week, which uh, saw the latest post about um recent updates.
1: Yeah, so I mean really really can't complain it's it was as positive pretty much as as it could be um i was i was trying to stay positive into it although i was having a few kind of niggles in my liver and i think my wife always tells me they're psychosomatic which i think probably probably are um but you know i I wasn't wasn't overly sure that things were going to be going to be great. I thought I was gonna have a good result, but I didn't think it was gonna be half as good as what I got. And basically, to cut it short, I'd had post surgery, I post surgery last year, I didn't have any tumours in my liver.
0: And this this was last May. It was last May, May of 20, 2021, I guess. Yeah.
1: Three months later they scanned me and I had fifteen new tumors in my liver at that point. The largest three,
0: three months after the, mm-hmm. the may yeah. and that so so part of it had already been cut off it started to grow back but then yeah. 15 tumors came
1: 15 wow tumours, right and the largest was 2.5 centimeters so they say i mean no matter how much therapy i'd have had i don't think I, i've done anything about it they say often with surgery or at least with my type of cancer when you cut away half of the liver your body basically produces a lot of hormones to increase growth. and increase
0: Yeah, okay, growth. that makes sense. Yeah, and,
1: uh, But at the same time, cancer kind of latches onto that and any residual cells go, oh, thanks a lot, let's go wild. So I had a really big bump afterwards, which was kind of very disheartening at the time, but then you, again, you just reframe it. And this time around, I've had four, following that, I had four rounds of intravenous radiotherapy so you basically, they hook you up to an IV and it pumps you full of radioactive material that then hopefully attaches to the cancer cells. you then radioactive for two weeks following that treatment. So I couldn't be around my daughter. I was going to say, I
0: heard about this. You had to spend the time away from your family and yeah. stuff as well for
1: the next two weeks. It's yeah. Very nice. You have to use a different toilet. You know, I can't hug my daughter. I can't be within two meters of her. Um, she she obviously doesn't understand we just say that daddy's got a cough yeah. for weeks but it's not very nice to be honest but it's all been worthwhile because yeah I had some results so I had the results last week and those 15 tumours I now only have three tumours and wow. the largest is 0.4 centimetres
0: holy shit yeah wow. so it's
1: gone down from 25 to 0.4 and On the MRI scan, they could hardly see them. He basically said, Bloody hell. The CT showed that there were three there. And then I've got one left in my lymph node, which is about 10 millimeters, but they don't think it's massively concerning. So, yeah, I mean, without going to the full NED, which is no evidence of disease, which every cancer patient wants, um, by all intents and purposes, I'm nearly there. So...
0: Oh my god, mate! That's amazing.
1: Yeah, just got to keep keep fighting. And I've got two more scans next week, actually, which kind of show tumor activity as opposed to tumor size.
0: Right. Okay. Yeah.
1: Um, I'm, pretty, I'm, I'm buzzing after the last one, so these I'm pretty sure these are going to be good. You know. So.
0: Yeah, and, and 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 now what would it be the next? I mean, obviously you're looking after the health, but any more? Um therapy in a the sense of any more of these sessions with chemo, anything else? Like what, what's the immediate next steps? Or is it more case if let's keep monitoring them really closely?
1: Yeah. Watch and wait, Got um, yeah, the dreaded injection.
0: <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: Um, but apart from that, no, look just it'll be alternative therapies. Just continuing with that. You know, went to hyperbaric oxygen today, be doing the same next week. Um, I'm not playing tennis tonight for obvious reasons. Come on here, but I'm playing tomorrow night, and that'll be followed by infrared for sauna and and stretching for an hour. And I think stretching's helped me. I mean, don't do yoga as such because well, it's just I don't have time for it. But I just find stretching for an hour just really, really helps. So.
0: I go through such strange periods myself of like, oh I'll do it for a week and then I just forget and I'm like, Why why, why am I stopping doing this? Yeah,
1: It's ridiculous. it?
0: are you following like a little um video thing or you just got your own routine now that you've got going on just for an my hour my
1: own routine, just you know, anything. So but I got a really good piece of advice. Even when I don't stretch my whole body, um there's a guy who was he? Was he United physiotherapist or something? Anyway, he basically said to me, if you only stretch one muscle in your whole body every day, stretch your calves.
0: Oh, really? Okay, yeah. Because
1: yeah. your calves impact on the way you walk. And if you stretch your calves, basically the rest of your body will fall into alignment anyway. So I do that mm. every day, but I then yeah, every other few days or every couple of days, I stretch everything and you know just feel a hell of a lot better for it. So no, no... Go back to your question, no big treatments on the horizon. If we see a you know, we see a bump in growth in the next year or so, I'll go back onto radiotherapy more than likely. Um but they're also coming out, mate, they're coming out with so many new innovative innovative treatments and you know and it's the horizon it'll be, an,
0: it'll, it'll be an interesting space, I guess, in the future with regards to even potentially even like travel because Surely as these new uh, treatments open up, they'll probably be legalized in some countries before others. But, uh,
1: you know, um, there's one called Alpha PRRT. So I'm on a form of PRRT, which is the radiotherapy I'm currently having, but they're using a different radioactive isotope, which they say compared to the one I'm on, is like driving a car through a window as opposed to throwing a stone through it. Shit! you imagine what mine's done you know it's reduced it to that level yeah but it's only available currently in germany and america and it costs you about 15 grand a pop and you need four rounds so that's 60 grand right so who can yeah but they do, they're trialing in the States at the moment. So there's no reason why in three, four, five years' time that won't land on our
0: doors. Like are, you, are you also trying to put yourself forward for any of these, like for any trials or anything like that? I'm, I'm assuming you probably are. But I guess it's.
1: But I will be, you know, if I see a bump. Yeah, then, exactly. Then that is the time to do it. Whereas now, the other thing is, the way I look at it is that further down the line we are the more likely a trial is going to work, right? Because the more research they do, the more they understand cancer, the more likely these things are going to work. So I want to kind of save myself for those, you know, put myself at, you know, often trials are double blind as well. So you might be getting a placebo. So I want to be sure that when I put myself forward for these things that I'm in my best interest to do so. Um, so, I'll just keep doing what I'm doing and all the alternative stuff that I think is working, and then we'll see where I get to. But, you know, at the moment, I can't complain. And I've had lots of people, you know, I've got a bit of an Instagram following now, cancer patients. I think I hit 800 followers this week. Uh, oh, amazing. Week. Yeah. Um, I, you know, hopefully support a lot of people out there. And But there's no denying that since I was diagnosed, there were people who followed me that have passed away, you know, so it's. You can't, you know, you can't predict these things, one hundred percent. But you can just do everything in your power to to make sure that you are in the total.
0: yeah. I mean, I mean. Listen, listen to you firsthand through the kind of especially for the full journey. We've kind of been in and out with snippets and talked and stuff, but we haven't had a conversation like this per se. And obviously, there's been some down moments. Um, and I'm catching you on a better week, especially yeah. following last week's news. Um, but your outlook and your um, ability to to be thinking ahead planning researching uh keeping that some of that positive mindset and essentially just hitting all the tick boxes in terms of your own health generally that people if they followed a similar lifestyle would be a lot better off in terms of uh, maybe not 28 supplements a day but certainly a little bit of sport a bit of nature community family
1: that is i do miss a beer but I haven't, yeah. I haven't i haven't had a drink in three years and um I'm Not saying that that's right for everyone, actually, I think probably everything in moderation. I've read books that say that beer a beer a week's good for you, you know, so yeah, you know it's everything in moderation, but for me right now, the last thing I want with liver metastases is like sure. right, so um it's making the right choices and
0: yeah, absolutely. Hey, um, I've been asking the last few guests, uh, kind of based on their own little kind of unique journeys and um, experiences. What what would probably be like the the one piece of advice they would they would give out to somebody else who had a experience or is wanting to start a new experience or is facing a new challenge in their life? What what would that kind of message be from your perspective?
1: I guess it's a difficult one that, and I think. I guess one thing i i don't know maybe I don't regret it, but I think no matter what you no matter what you're doing you're going through you know be that a disease be that hard time at work be that you know you're having relationship problems, focus on something that you really enjoy doing and spend a lot of time doing that because for me now, having that focus you know, getting back into tennis, you know, playing sport, having that outlet. I think if you can follow your passions, then they are the most important things in life. The other stuff, work, you know, it just, it's, it's all a side game. It's all a side play to the things that you really enjoy doing. And if you can do those things, you know, you're going to be enjoying yourself. And What's the point of life than enjoying yourself so if that is family if that is sport, is if that, if that whatever it is that you enjoy and you have a passion for just do a lot of that and you can focus on that and you'll be happy you know um i focused on work for far too long And i'm not saying i wasn't happy but i definitely missed the trick you know yeah you know uh I, I, everything else is a side play for me five-side football on the evening was a side play, you know, tennis was a side play, running was a side play. And, and now that's my main, I look at that and I'm like, no, that's what I enjoy. So that is what I'm going to focus on. And yeah, you've got you've got to work and you've got to turn up and do your 9-5 and you've got to put in a good shift. But when you clock off, that shouldn't be at the forefront of your mind. The stuff you enjoy should be at the forefront. And if you can manage that, then I think you'll just be a happier person, yeah i've learned over the last few years
0: really a wonderful response uh very well articulated um for people listening how, how how do they kind of find you on instagram and stuff and is there any is there any like for example a charity or any other organizations out there that um, are worth kind of a follow or raising money or anything like that. Do yeah, you want I mean, to just share a little bit of that? I can also include them in the links in the um, that'd be great. In the show notes anyway. But um yeah if you've got any info. So in share.
1: Fundraising in the past three years we've raised fifty thousand I think for the Royal Free Neuroendocrine um, charity uh, which is the I mean it's an NHS hospital that I was I was treated at um you know and they were always looking out for funding there's also neuroendocrine um uk which is kind of the main charity for neuroendocrine cancer in the uk um and then yeah if you do want to follow me on instagram and see different pictures of of me and my daughter i think i mean i'd have to double check that right now to be honest with you but i
0: think it's- the stories are a particular highlight, I must add. Yeah. A nice little bit of singing coming through there often.
1: It's AS, <laughs> AS Grey One um, uh, for anyone that wants to follow me, any cancer patients or anyone who just wants updates. So, um, yeah, I'm definitely not an influencer, guys, but
0: um, I do. No, no, but you're spreading the right, right messages, mate. That's the most important thing. thing.
1: Um, any, you know, I'd, I just like to have a presence out there. People who have cancer and also spread the word because you just don't think. I remember just on a final note, I was on a stag do a year before I was diagnosed. By bearing in mind, I had cancer at that stage. One of my best mates turned to me and said, Oh, you know, one of his best mates has got cancer. And I turned to him and was like, How the fuck does that happen to someone at our age? You know, it does. Yeah. You just, I just want to get the message out there that it does happen, but there are ways you can deal with it. So, kind of that's that's yeah that's where where i'm at
0: hey mate that was amazing thank you so much for joining again and um look forward to i'll try and catch you soon yeah uh, definitely. i'll let you know 100%. next time I'm back in the uk mate and uh, especially now that you're in harrogate it's more likely that I, w- I will actually be up north to see my family and stuff when i go back so i'll definitely let you know 100
1: percent. if you want to do any walking or anything in the dales, just give me a shout out i'm sure yeah 100%.
0: But great to I'll see make you it yeah you too Um, have a good one mate thanks very much thank you for listening everyone beyond the adventure is available on all major podcast platforms or you can visit beyondtheadventure.com for all the relevant links if you get a moment please share with your friends and family and finally, if you or someone you know would like to come onto to the podcast, please reach out to me either via email on gareth at beyondtheadventure.com, through the website of beyondtheadventure.com, or reach out via my personal social media. My handles across Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn are all garethbrownuk. Thanks again, everyone, and bye for now.